Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting, and we are your hosts for today's episode of the show. Devin, good evening. Hope you're doing well. I'm sitting through a rainstorm right now. If you can probably hear that in the background, um, I'm sitting out on the porch as it continues to monsoon here in Asheville, North Carolina. So typical summer thunderstorms going on right now. And Devin, I know you're um, out of town right now um, visiting some family, I guess. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, I'll visit him right now. Um, and, you know, still working, um, you know, had some uh, some pretty big news, uh, you know, earlier this week. So excited to, to drop that uh, at some point next week. But uh, I'll, I'll probably announce it tomorrow that, you know, my uh, last week in uh, at, at NOLA.com will be next week. So, um, you know, excited for, for the new opportunity and, you know, starting to get a little bit more into uh, college football scouting. So uh, excited about that and, and you know, ready to, to start uh, ramping out as we are about a month, month and a half away from the start of college football season. Holy crap, we're a month away. Wow. I didn't even realize that. And that means I'm a month away from starting up my senior year in college. I'm – oh, now I'm going to start stressing out again, but we're not going to – I can't think about it. I can't think about it. We're good. We're good. Um, so we had we had a pretty busy week last week in terms of NFL news um, that involved my Carolina Panthers. Um, Baker Mayfield is a Carolina Panther. It it took only like what two or three months for it to happen, but it finally did. Baker Mayfield is no longer a Cleveland Brown. He is now with the Carolina Panthers. So I've I've done a ton of analysis and breaking down the move over the last uh, last seven eight days or so since the trade went down. So Devin, I want to get your thoughts on it. We're going to talk about this for a few minutes before we dive into into some summer scouting. What do you think of the move? What do you think of Carolina taking a shot at Baker Mayfield among? all of their 10 times they've taken a shot at quarterback over the last 35 years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's a, a low risk, high reward move. I mean, even if things don't pan out for him or the Panthers this year, I think, you know, it's an opportunity for them to see what they can get out of Baker Mayfield. I mean, the Panthers are not devoid of talent. You know, they, they are a very talented team. And, and they're starting to build a, a competitive roster and trying to fix their offensive line. So it's not a huge problem. The problem is, you know, if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, I feel like that's where we saw, saw Sam Darnold, you know, last year really, really fall off, you know, because he played okay in his first couple of games with McCaffrey there. So having that, uh, you know, kind of all world talent, in the backfield, it's going to help whoever. And, and we saw Baker Mayfield, Mayfield thrives off play action, thrives when the running game is, is doing well and, and when he's healthy, first and foremost. So I think the biggest thing for them is if they get a healthy Baker Mayfield, I think they, they're, you know, at least a competitive team. You know, they may, may not make the playoffs even if Baker plays, you know, decently, but 
I think it's an upgrade over who you have on the roster right now. And I, I think that's, you know, not a question at all. So I think for them, you, you got to give yourself the best chance to win. And I think with Baker Mayfield, I think that that gives them the best chance to, to at least be a, a competitive football team that can push for the playoffs. Cause they only have the talent to do so. Now it's just going to be about <clears throat> can a coaching come through what was the play calling going to look like under Ben McAdoo? Um, and, and can they continue to uh, accentuate uh, Baker Mayfield's strengths compared to just throwing him to the wolves? You know, I, I just thinking about all the previous quarterback moves Carolina Panthers have made most recently before the Baker Mayfield trade, drafting Mac around the third round, trading up for Mac around the third round. And, you know, it, it seems like this year they kind of learned their lesson in terms of taking risks at the quarterback position you know it they didn't really give up too much to trade up for Matt Corral and they didn't give up much at all to trade to trade for Baker Mayfield the biggest mistake I think a lot of people are just circling on their circling on paper is the Sam Darnold trade and then having to bring Cam Newton in midway through the season because of course Darnold was injured but you just we're hoping to maybe get a spark and the, those the moves that Carolina that Carolina has made over the last couple of seasons seems like they're just trying to see what works and what doesn't work. And I feel like they're so doing that with Baker, but at the same time, Baker Mayfield has proven to be a winner in this league. He's only been a starting quarterback in the NFL for the last four years. His 2018 campaign, his rookie campaign, was really impressive. His 2020 campaign, probably it was easily his best season. He had a great year that year. And I feel like there are some Panther fans that are like, we're tired of being in quarterback purgatory. I, I get it. I get it. Like, I don't want to – I want to see stability at the position. Right now, there's still – an so don't know if there is true stability at the position. We don't know what Matt Corral will be like. We don't know how Baker Mayfield will adjust with Ben McAdoo and the rest of the offense. We don't know how they're how everything's going to mesh. But is Baker Mayfield a better talent than what Carolina has had over the last several seasons? Absolutely. Would you say, Devin, that he's a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater? 2020 Teddy Bridgewater to Baker Mayfield right now, maybe? I, th I would think so. Um, you know, I, I think Teddy Bridgewater, for him, it, it was perfect situation, perfect scenario. You know, he came in and went 5-0 and with the Saints. And, you know, a, a lot of that, you know, you can contribute that to him, but, but he also had a really strong team around him as well. You know, you think about the first couple wins in that win streak he had, you know, they were they were kind of led by defensive performances, but the over the last couple wins, you know, he showed his ability to, you know, take some chances downfield, you know, be be very accurate on third down. So I think for for Baker, he's certainly more talented, and and I think you, the only thing is you you get more sporadic play from Baker Mayfield, right? If he's if things aren't going well in the game, he's more likely to have a four interception game than say a Teddy Bridgewater, you know, but. 
I think in terms of talent and, and what he can bring to the table when he's on, I mean, he's, he's certainly better than Tay Bridgewater and the probably the best Panthers quarterback since what Cam Newton, his last healthy year in Carolina with 2017. So mm-hmm. I think the upside is there. The risk is low because even if it doesn't pan out, you don't have to resign him. You know, right. that's, the, think- that's the biggest ca- caveat for me is that, you're not tied to him long-term, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, you can just move forward, have Matt Corral, maybe give him the chance to start, you know, later this year, early next year, and then just move forward from there. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I like Baker Mayfield. I've always liked Baker. I, I think he was just the way things played out in Cleveland, the injuries, um, kind of being a little bit arrogant, you know, and also how he handled the Sean Watson ordeal with Cleveland all of a sudden putting their name in um, in the mix for Watson, of course, landing to Sean Watson. So, you know, it, from what I've seen, from what I watched during the press conference, I believe it was Tuesday, he he definitely looked like he was ready for a new place, ready for a new home, wanted to just a fresh start. And I believe that if he's able to come to Carolina and do well, could he get extended? Maybe, but I still think that Corral in some sense is still the future for this team at quarterback. But again, we have to see what Corral does on the field first. We we have to see what that what he's all about. For Panther fans that are wanting like true elite quarterback play, you, the closest thing you're going to get to elite quarterback play is Baker Mayfield when he is at his highest level. We saw how good Baker can be. We've seen how good Baker can be. If Baker can be at that level this season, I think Carolina does have their quarterback for the long term. You and Matt Corral, maybe that was probably a waste of a pick, but at least you have a formidable backup, a young player who could also get traded elsewhere for draft capital. You know, there's so many things that could happen with Baker Mayfield, how the situation plays out in Carolina. And also, will this save Matt Rule's job? I don't know. I really don't know. I think his job is still on the line regardless. I think I still feel like regardless, even if the Panthers improve – their win win loss record by four games. They finish eight and nine. I don't know if rule survives. I really don't. I it's just you're coming off back to back five win seasons. I just and sure is would there be improvement with an eight and nine season? Of course. But that's another losing season. I don't know if Tepper is really gonna be able to kind of tolerate that in a sense you know he he's wanting a winning culture but Panthers have a, had a winning season his entire time as an owner so you have to find some sort of consistency in what works and what doesn't work so you're kind of hoping Baker Mayfield he does work out overall he does end up doing well in Carolina and ends up succeeding in Carolina I think that I think everyone wants to see Baker Mayfield succeed in Carolina they want Carolina to finally figure out this quarterback situation. They're able to props for Carolina for finally landing the quarterback they've been searching for. Um, 
is Baker Mayfield going to be the guy you're going to win games because of? No. Is he better than what Carolina has had since Cam Newton and probably midway through 2018? Yes. I can say that with confidence. Yeah, he, probably definitely better than Teddy Bridgewater. He can push the ball downfield. He's aggressive. When his feet are clean in the pocket, he's very accurate. Like there's so many qualities to like about Baker. It's just there's some consistency issues that I think can be tuned up a little bit. If Baker, you know, can tune that up a little bit, we, we're going to see a different quarterback than we did last year and hopefully a healthy quarterback. So just a it's a big move in the middle of the offseason, several weeks before training camp. I'm excited to see what Baker does in training camp. And, of course, Scott Fitter, Matt Rule have already said it's going to be an open competition. But I think we all know who's probably going to come out as the starter in that competition. I'd be shocked if Darnold beat Mayfield out. Mayfield's the better quarterback by far, shown the most consistency, and he has shown the ability to win football games. But you're not going to win games just because of him. You'll need help around him. I believe he has enough talent around him right now in Carolina to do that. But it's just more of a wait and see at this point. Devin, let's go ahead and get into summer scouting. Um, I want you to go ahead and go first. I know you have a few LSU prospects to talk about. A couple linebackers? Yeah, so I was pleasantly surprised because I, I told you last week that uh, I would take a look at Mike Jones Jr., the former Clemson linebacker who uh, went over to LSU. I turned on uh, what game was that? I think it was Mississippi State. And, you know, I quickly figured out that Mike Jones Jr. actually didn't play a ton of reps because of the starting linebackers, obviously, Damone Clark, who uh, got drafted. Uh, on day three of the NFL draft, I think by the Cowboys. Um, I can't remember. I, I think that's where he went, ended up going. Um, and then um, the other linebacker, Micah Baskerville uh, from, from LSU as well, form, I believe he's a former five-star recruit, uh, you know, and, and a player that had to kind of wait his turn a little bit. Obviously, LSU's had some really good linebackers over the years, uh, Devin White, Damone Clark. Um, and I think he's in, in line to be kind of the, the next next guy to be selected. Uh, I think he has a talent to go uh, in within the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Uh, like I said, I, I came in to watch Mike Jones Jr., and I'll talk about him in a minute. But Baskerville, for me, I saw a little bit of everything. Uh, you saw a guy that played mostly the, the Will or, or Sam Backer uh, in LSU's defense, a lot of off-ball um and, and on the weak side of formations um but i think for him he really impressed me with his ability to do through gaps um you know kind of really run down plays from behind fly side to sideline sideline to sideline and, and be able to um you know cover ground quickly but i was most impressed by his upside and coverage um, you know, show some ability to, to play man on man, man the man defense against um, tight ends and running backs, which is is uh, incredibly huge for for any any linebacker looking to get into the NFL. And he also has some some really great instincts. You know, there was a play he made against Arkansas that reminded me of what Nicobe Dean did uh, against Kentucky last year when they did a throwback screen. Um, you know, had everyone going to the right side, but you know, threw it back left. 
and pretty much he was the only one between uh, the, I believe it was a tight end or, or big slot receiver that caught the screen. And he was able to get underneath the, uh, you know, the, the lineman pulling out and, and make the tackle for loss. That was a really good play from him. It was a, a trick play in that same game against Arkansas where, you know, they did a kind of a triple triple pass and, and tried to do a throwback, um, you know, long pass from Traylon Burks to uh, one of the tight ends. And he was able to, uh, get in the way of that. So, you know, in terms of a zone drop, I think he could do, do be a little bit better in terms of finding his depth, um, you know, getting into to passing lanes and, and, you know, continue to expand in, in zones and then closing a little bit better in, in shorter zones. But overall, I came, came away very, very impressed. A firm day two summer grade on him. Uh, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, probably if he has another season like he did last year, I think he's certainly going to be at the senior or Shrine Bowl. He's going to be in because he's a fifth-year senior entering this year, but he's certainly going to have that ability to to go there and and, and really make a difference. So, for me, I, I was pleasantly surprised by him um, and, and didn't expect to uh, be come away impressed with him. And nobody talked about him this summer. I know a lot of people have, have paid a lot of mind to Noah Sewell and. Uh, DeMarvian Overshone and, and some of the other linebackers like that. But I think Baskerville uh, should be in a conversation to, to be one of the top 10 linebackers heading into this year, draftable linebackers. Mike Jones Jr., on the other hand, a um, little disappointed from, from what I saw on film from him. I think he's his processing is a little bit slow uh, in terms of reading what's in front of him, reading his keys. You know, he gets downhill. He makes, he makes tackles on, on the weak side as well. I'm more interested to see who kind of takes over that Mike role since it was Damone Clark uh, taking most of the snaps last year at Mike. Um, and, and even the backup in the second team, uh, you know, we saw Jones and Baskerville both kind of be the, the off-ball linebacker. So I'm interested to see who takes over what. But I, I just didn't see the fluidity and coverage I saw at Clemson. Uh, you know, I went back and, and, and took a, a, a game or two look at him back when he was at Clemson. You know, he looked very fluid and just seemed like he was, you know, a step slow in terms of reacting to uh, the plays in front of him. But I heard that he did have a really good spring. And and I think, you know, finally being under that system for a season and, and understanding what, what LSU's linebackers ask of him, uh, I think he's going to be much improved. So I'm I'm very excited for that duo of, of Baskerville and Jones Jr. I think they could be two of the better ones in the SEC. I know they – have Henry Toa Toa over at Alabama, and, and and there's another linebacker they have as well over there in Alabama. I think Auburn has some returning linebackers as well. So there there's some talent in the SEC for sure at linebacker, but I think Baskerville is, is certainly, in my opinion, if he doesn't make the first team all-SEC, preseason all-SEC, I, I think he can be there at the season's end and, and be a uh, top 75 pick. Uh, by by the end of the 2023 campaign, if he plays like he did last year. But yeah, but yeah super, super impressed with what uh, those two were able to do um, or, or the potential they have, especially Baskerville. But uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, how, how things kind of progress in, in the, 20, 2022 season and, and see what, what LSU can do because because the secondary is, uh you know, 
a big question mark head into 2022. I had some mic issues going on there behind the scenes, so glad I got that sorted out. But a couple, so I want to talk about Mike Jones for just a second, just because I've had a little bit of exposure from him during his time at Clemson. And of course, I'm a Clemson fan, so I kind of want to get my thoughts on it real quick. Um, Mike Jones, it, it, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying about Jones when he was with Clemson. He wasn't the best processor. It, it was definitely slow. I wanted to see more, and I hope I was hoping, you know, maybe he could done he could have done better at LSU. Sounds like he's still processing things a little bit slowly. Not to say he's bad at that. It's more just he needs to speed it up a little bit. It's just I think he can be a good player. He's shown to be he has shown flashes to be a good player, um, especially at Clemson. But I don't know if he's really going to show that. It's raining very, very hard here um, at my place. So I'm I apologize if the rain you can hear the rain in the background, guys. I really do apologize for that. Very inconvenient for a rainstorm to happen at this moment in time. But I want to get to a couple prospects I've watched. And it's two of probably the top offensive tackle prospects heading into the season. And that's Paris Johnson of Ohio State and Peter Skoronsky of Northwestern. I kind of want to touch on Paris Johnson real quick. Johnson, I think the only issue from me, I kind of want to dive into more of his issues. I think the biggest issue with him was just consistency at so many areas you know the tools the movement skills they're all there but there were several things that i just i wanted to see improve from him going into the season i think he will be the starting left tackle ohio say has noted that he will be the starting left tackle and you definitely saw some left tackle tendencies um, while he was playing right guard. I think he was probably their best offensive lineman last year, better than um, Fire Munford, um, better than Nicholas uh, Petrie Ferrer. Um, Like he was definitely better than all those guys up front. And you also have Dewan Jones who could end up emerging this season. But I kind of want to focus on Paris Johnson here. When it comes to his base, probably his frame in terms of just adding muscle um, and more mass to and more strength overall, he can definitely improve in those areas. I think his base has a tendency. He does tend to tighten up his base a little bit, and that gets him into trouble. Um, I think he needs to anchor a little bit better. He has shown flashes of a really good anchor, but again, a lot of this is coming down to consistency. If he can be consistent when it comes to being aware of twists and stunts, um, when it comes to his pass sets and framing, when it comes to just playing with more control, we've seen the flashes. I saw the flashes plenty on tape. It's just more, can you do it consistently? And if you're able to do that consistently, you can be the best offensive tackle in this draft class. Um, But there were a lot to, a lot of things to like about Paris Johnson. I watched three games: Purdue, Michigan, and Penn State. Um, 
he's a very explosive athlete for his size. Um, very, and like I said earlier, he's got easy movement skills. He's got a really good, powerful punch at the point of attack. Um, he offers really good leg drive, especially in the power game. Plays with a mean streak. I mean, he. There were a couple of times where I saw him just throwing down on opposing defenders, and there were there was one clip where he, where he was able to pick up a, a stunt. And then the very next play, he basically Undertaker choke slammed someone into the ground, like literally picked him up and just threw him onto the turf. Dude just lying flat still, not wanting to move anymore because you got Paris Johnson right in front of you. You don't want to get choke slammed again. <laughs> so there was a lot to like about Johnson. I love Paris Johnson. I think he can be a really good offensive tackle in this upcoming draft class. The consistency is more of where I have the issue. If he can play with more consistency, this is going to be a very good offensive tackle, a starting left tackle at the next level. But you do see that, hey, this guy can play guard if you need him to. He can start out at guard while he develops into a starting left tackle. That Sometimes isn't always the case for some teams, but again, it comes down to just kind of their situation, where they're drafted, and where they're where they end up in the NFL. Um, and because of his movement skills, I want to add one more thing. He does he does have unlimited range as a run blocker. He can hit his landmarks pretty well, and I do think he he will be trusted a lot when it comes to longer pulls in the power game uh, when it comes to traps. I mean, he, he's got the tools he's got, he's shown the flashes. It's just more of the consistency that needs the work. Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. I, this is someone I think right now is the best offensive tackle in this upcoming draft class. And there are so many things that you just love about Skaronsky. Um, just plays with good pass sets, clean pass sets. He's stout at the point of attack, plays with a really solid base. His feet are always moving. He's able to really move well. He has good movement skills. He has the versatility to play at all spots of the offensive line. This guy sounds a lot familiar to Rashawn Slater, who we all evaluated in the 2020 NFL or 2021 draft class. So, and of course, Rashawn Slater ended up being a pro bowl, all pro. I mean, great football player. Pierce Skaronsky, similar guy. And it feels like he's very similar in the sense that he does have concerns when it comes to length. And I think that's his biggest concern. There was one play against Michigan where he, he did struggle a little bit against speed and being able to get his hands um, or maintain his hands inside against opposing speed rushers. I mean, he struggled a little bit against David Ajabo, um, who is now in Baltimore. So you're that that's a little bit of concern. I think he can be a little bit more consistent with his hands. But, you know, Northwestern does a really good job of allowing these players to kind of play a mix of gap and zone concepts um, in terms of blocking schemes. So Skaronsky has that experience. So that allows him more versatility and more value when it comes to the next level. I do think that, of course, 
the length will be a concern. For me, last year when it came to Rashawn Slater, I wasn't too concerned about his lack of length um, because he was just so refined um, at the position. And even though he didn't play in 2020, he still ended up being one of the best offensive linemen last year. And, you know, Skaronsky will have that chance of playing this season, a full season before jumping to the NFL, if he were to declare for the NFL. So, you know, I, I love Skaronsky. I think he's very well-rounded, very well-refined. There are a couple areas he needs to work with. The biggest concern, of course, for the NFL and for plenty of draft pundits like ourselves will be his length. Can he be a good left tackle at the next level with his length concerns? Slater's not really having any issues because he's so well-refined at the next level. We've seen guys with not ideal length at the position where they're still playing consistently well. So, you know, I, I don't have that much of a concern with Skaronsky in terms of length. I just, like like Johnson, some areas need more consistency. And I think with improvement this year, this this is going to be a really – it won't be as strong of a tackle class as the last couple years, but I think the top of it could be – it could be pretty good. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> you know, tackle is a, a position I'm still working to get to, uh, you know, this summer. But, you know, being able to, you know, see Skaronsky and, and uh, Johnson, you know, kind of in passing – uh, in terms of, you know, watch some of the other Big Ten uh, defensive players. You know, you, you clearly see the talent for both guys. And Northwestern's starting to churn out tackles, seems like, every other year now. Uh, so, so very excited to watch both those guys. Uh, last guy I want to talk about is uh, the new Cincinnati quarterback, obviously Desmond Ritter, off to the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, Ben Bryant, who – Started his career at Cincinnati, transferred away to play, and then came back. Uh, he spent his 2021 season at Eastern Michigan. And, you know, he had a really good season. You know, he, he lit it up in the MAC and uh, showed his ability to, to you know, throw the football over the field. He, they ran an up-tempo offense where carried on quick game RPOs, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a multiple approach in terms of, you know, they want to establish the run, but also – build off at play action. So it's, it's more your typical offense. I think it kind of relates to what Cincinnati was already doing. So, you know, he kind of has a leg up already. Plus, like I said, he played at Cincinnati, but there's just no way he was going to play behind Desmond Ritter. So I, I guess he, he just wanted to go and, and try and build his own path, but he's back down. But I want to talk about a little bit about, you know, what he, he brings to the table. Cause I, you know, he ended up being uh, in uh, Dane Brugler's top 10, uh, you know, senior quarterbacks heading into the season. He was someone on my, uh, on my list or on my radar beforehand, but, but you know, now seeing that, I wanted to take a look for myself and, and you know, kind of see his game. And, and I, I can't wait, fairly impressed. You know, he's a uh, – he's not a super big guy, but he, he's well-built. Uh, I believe he's – I'm going to look up his stats here in, in terms of, uh, you know, what he measure, measures in at. Um but, you know, playing last year for, for Eastern Michigan, like I said, 
um, you know, he, he was able to to get the ball over the field. Um, you know, he <clears throat> finished the season, as I pull up the stats, finished the season with 3,100 yards, passing 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Split some time early on with, with the other quarterback, but really down the stretch of the season, he, he kind of took the reins and, and was the star quarterback and, and played pretty well down the stretch. 6'3", uh, quarterback, uh, about 220. Um, so, you know, you have the, the prototypical size and, and, and uh, ability. I said, oh, 3,100 yards. Passing uh, completion percentage was around 68, which is fairly, fairly normal and, and fairly pretty good uh, for for a college quarterback. He's not at the level of, you know, what Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence were a couple of years ago, even uh, CJ Stroud or, or Bryce Young. But but he's fairly accurate. You see that in this film, uh, able to operate the quick game uh, efficiently, you know, gets the ball out on time, on target, quick release and smooth release as well. Um, he does get himself in trouble with his footwork sometimes. Uh, there are times where he, he's trying to drive the ball 15, 20 yards down the field, over the middle of the field, and, and his feet aren't just right, so he ends up throwing uh, too high or behind. But but when he's in rhythm and, and uh, you know, has time to throw, he's able to, to deliver all over the field. Um, you know, it does a really good job uh, in terms of uh, getting his, you know, body like up and down. So, you know, if it's a quick throw, uh, if it's a throw, a timing throw, you know, he, he has really good mechanics uh, from, from top to bottom um, and, and able to accurately deliver a football. He, he has no issues with his arm. He can deliver cross field passes. He can uh, push the ball down the field. Came away really impressed with his touch down the field as well. Um, against Toledo, he had really uh, the three or four of his touchdowns came on touch throws and, and he showed the, the ability to hit his landmarks, uh, you know, lead his receiver in stride and, and, you know, drop it in the bucket. So overall, I think he's he's a, a guy that, you know, probably has an early day three grade for me, uh, you know, coming out of the summer. I think there are some tools to work with. I think he's he's the, the, the prototype uh, backup type of quarterback where he's not doesn't have anything special, uh, you know, in terms of track for him that's going for him you know he, he's not a a quarterback that's going to you know wow you but i think someone that can can keep you on schedule and keep you moving um i think a big season could could certainly help shift that conversation but at least to me i think right now you're 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 getting you're getting what you see out of him you know he's a guy that's gonna deliver the football quickly accurately um you know make some plays off schedule but but it's not it's not predicated on that but he's going to run your offense at a high level. So I think for him, he he, he uh, projects more of a career backup type of player. But, you know, I, I would say he's he has a stronger, slightly stronger arm than a Bailey Zappi from last year. So I think he's about around that range if to, to make that kind of comparison, like fourth, fifth round type of quarterback. But but he's not – he can for you, but not going to be your long-term answer. I broke up there for just a second, but um, yeah, I'm in a bad area right now. But anyways, um, so for for me with this quarterback class, and I when I was on my way to Atlanta 
last week, I was listening a little bit to um, the Draft Dudes podcast uh, of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs, Chris Schubert, um, and what their thoughts on, or Kyle's thoughts on the quarterback class outside of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And what I was able to gather and what I've been able to gather so far from our conversations and conversations within our Blue Chip Scouting group chat and some other group chats, group chats we're in, is that there are, there are so many guys with tools and traits um, that just flash out on the board, like flash out on the screen. Like this definitely seems like a better draft class than it was a year ago. There actually seems to be more consistency, especially at the top. Um, but the thing is, who among this group, who, who is it going to be? Is it going to be Jeff Sims or Georgia Tech? Will Levis, Ben Bryant, who, um, Anthony Richardson, trying to think of other names, maybe even KJ Jefferson from Arkansas. There are so many names, so many guys with plenty of physical traits, tools that make you just go, Ooh, this guy, he could be something. We... Usually we get a Joe Burrow type of ride, like not saying like a top pick rise, but more someone that it was a day three guy, you know, during the preseason. And then he ends up being a first round draft pick or higher uh, throughout the process or come draft time. So, you know, we, we see those guys come out of nowhere. Could Ben Bryant be that type of guy? don't know we'll, we'll have to see jeff simmons like i mentioned anthony richardson will levis kj jefferson um spencer rattler if he can rebound at south carolina he could end up being that third name in that group uh with cj stroud and bryce young so you know the quarterback class is going to really depend on who ends up taking that big leap who ends up being that guy that can play with consistency improve on from improve on from a year ago and end up being that guy that ends up being the Joe Burrow of this draft class or the Kenny Pickett of this draft class. Someone that we didn't expect to be a first round pick this time last season or this time during the process. And then they're end up being one of the most talked about prospects in the entire draft. So this, this quarterback class really does intrigue me. I've still only watched Stroud and Young. But from what I've heard, from what I've seen, from the preliminary views, the rest of this class is more just, I wouldn't say projection. It's just more hoping those physical traits come to life and form something even better. So I'm looking forward to evaluating more of this draft class. I'm definitely going to try to get into it as I have a little bit some more free time. Um ahead of school next month. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. You know, there are, I mean, of course, we're going to have to wait for guys like Caleb Williams um, to come out next year um, in 2024. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm excited to see how some of these guys do. The guy I'm really looking forward to, and I still haven't, really put an evaluation on it yet is Anthony Richardson. The size, the speed, the arm talent, it's all there. 66 pass attempts in his career so far. You, you hope to see more. Will we see more? Wait and see.
But, you know, I, I really, really do have some high hopes for this draft class, especially with all the physical traits we see from these guys. Yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, fall to, to watch because, like, you know, even names you didn't mention, like, like you know, Devin Leary, uh, Tanner McKee from Stanford, um, you know, guys like that as well that, you know, are more prototypical passers and in-the-pocket in guys. We'll see if, you know, they, they start to rise up boards as well. So there, there's so much uh, unknown in terms of who will rise up, but we just know that someone will, will – be in that conversation at the very least uh, at some point this season outside of, of Stroud and Young. It's just about who who's it going to be. And SEC has a couple of those guys, you know. Uh, Miles Brennan uh, also as well, someone to watch, Jaden Daniels. Um, so SEC is, is is stacked with talent. So we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Did you hear me? DJ Uyangalai. No, Go well, next. I mean, at this point, you know, you gotta it, let me have hope, man. You gotta let me have hope, man. That's that spring game, brother. What was he doing with his offhand? Like, I, I couldn't tell you. I the way it's funny though, because that flew under it was the flat radar. on the ground. That happened like earlier. I'm pretty sure that happened like earlier in the day. No one knew or said anything about it until probably like four or five hours later. So it was just interesting, like you know how. how I much- mean, I saw, I, saw, I watched the game. I watched the spring game. I was like, "What's going on?" Yeah. What's going on? Cade looks better, and he's and he just got to campus. Like, uh, I had so much hope for him. I I still have a little, any bit of hope. There's still some there, Devin. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> hey, look, you know what? He could end up being the Joe Burrow of this draft class. He could end up, I mean, we all think he's probably going to be undrafted at this point. How about he ends up turning up one a really good season to bump his stock back up into the first round? I mean, he has the physical traits. I think we've seen him. We saw him in the two games he started in 2020. Saw a little bit last year, too. It's just... I, the mechanics need a ton of work. I think that is the biggest issue. Just the mechanics sucks. So, all right. That will be it for today's podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more summer scouting. Um, and we are approaching ever so closely to training camp. So, Devin and I will soon be breaking down Panthers and Saints training camps. Um, we'll be previewing some college football over the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the start of the regular season in college football. Week zero is coming. We'll probably end up breaking down the, the preseason AP top 25, even though that list really doesn't matter at this point. I mean, I, I, I'm not a big fan of preseason AP polls, but it is what it is. Guys, again, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace.